Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years Years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey. And Jeff, and we are here to tell you a bit about our partner Anchor. We know that you're a fan of this podcast and maybe you thought, hey, I want to make a podcast too. Well, we have great news for you guys. We want to tell you all about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast for a few reasons, but to start out, it's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Plus, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it, you guys, and enjoy the show. I'm on a journey to get better, and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers, to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menino. Hello, hello, everybody. Happy Thursday. It's April 23rd. We have a very special show today. I'm very excited. My friend Tony Robbins is going to be joining us. Uh, Our quote of the day comes from him. I challenge you to make your life a masterpiece. I challenge you to join the ranks of those people who live what they teach, who walk their talk. Tony definitely walks his talk. 
That Gotta is walk the for talk. sure. Gotta walk the talk and talk the walk and talk, 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 talk. Guys, we have so much to talk about today. First of all, I missed the meteor shower. I'm very How upset. How could you? Well, hello. First of all, you didn't remind me until 15 minutes before midnight. I was already asleep. I'm very sorry. upset. I think I failed you. Because yeah, you were supposed to, remember, we were going to caravan out and go see it in Malibu, which was never going to we happen. Were, but, but we didn't still. finish <laughs> We didn't finish shows till like that time. And then Did you like, look outside your your window and see could it? Could not see anything outside our window. Oh, thank God. I, so I didn't miss anything. I mean, you didn't miss anything here. You could have gone to somewhere else to watch it. It was pretty cool. So you, we both missed it. No, I went like 20 minutes away and watched for a so little bit. So you did see it? Yeah. Oh I just God. didn't see it outside my window. Stupid. I'm so confused. I didn't see it on my window. Okay, you didn't have to answer my stupid question. You should have just said, no, there was nothing here. But where I went, Maria, was amazing. I had to like peel it out of him, Jeff. Okay, so what was it like? Tell me. Uh, I saw about like five in 30 minutes, and then I saw like six in the next 30 minutes. So I only stayed out for, for about an hour. But oh. it was really cool. Like I really love seeing meteor showers because they kind of just give you this feeling of like there's so much tininess more. yeah like yeah. the perce- like your the, the things you focus on and the things that you put so much like value and stress towards are mm-hmm. like based on your perception of them so like the closer they are to you the more value they have mm-hmm. and then like the further out it makes you feel smaller so you have like less mm-hmm. so like looking up at the sky in the meteor shower kind of takes a lot of, melts a lot of that stress away yeah because you stop thinking about oh my god i have to do this i have to do that because yeah. you're just like oh well it like I can do that, and I can do that, and I'm going to do that, mm-hmm. but it's not the end of the world. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so, meteor shower down. Okay, missed it. <laughs> uh, two, uh, Gronk goes to Tampa. Wow. That's insane news. I kind of had a bad producer moment, Maria, where you sent me that story, and I was like, we covered this already, and you're like, no, Jeff. We covered the fact of what if Gronk went to the Bucks. Yeah, we were pontificating. There were rumors. And I quickly started doing some research and, and talking to contacts. And when I realized his WWE contract might have some latitude, I was like, oh, no, this could actually happen. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, no, obviously, he's not going to play for the Patriots. It was very clear. I saw an interview on Fox Sports where he was talking about how two years ago they tried to trade him. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, I'm retiring. Peace. Can't retire. You can't trade me. (laughs) And it was like such a like move. And I think, uh, I think it kind of sheds light on what was really going on in that system. You know, Belichick runs a tight, tight ship and maybe it was, it was getting to him. I mean, obviously he was talking about really needing to leave and now he feels refreshed and ready to go and perfect timing because tom needs him in tampa now i'm wondering is edelman gonna join right i don't know if okay i don't know first of all as a patriots fan it is so awkward and confusing (laughs) because my guys are are in tampa (laughs) like my favorites are in tampa and eh, I'm never going to cheer for another team because I'm a New England girl for life. Just like I don't cheer for the Lakers just because I live here. And I think now officially I live here. I'm very close to living here more than I lived in Boston. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just very confusing. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious. Do they get paid if they're not playing? Like, do, do the, like does the contract Gronk get right now? Does it If, if there's not a football season next season. Does he still get the contract payout? I don't know how those contracts work. 
I don't know if it's pay or play. I don't know if there are like, you know, usually in contracts that are big, it's like there's like if something massive happens or if you do something horrendous like, you know, porn or whatever, <laughs> you know, like Chad the Bachelor. Um apparently did you see that no i did not see so, that i think it's his only fans which is like the new oh only fans what I does mean, that mean so only fans is a website that people it's like patreon for people who want to put out uh either amateur porn professional porn not necessarily it doesn't even have to be porn it's more like lewd pictures and like lunch like uh-huh. kind of stuff um i don't think there's anything shameful about sex work or doing that kind of stuff. It's just I think people might not realize the long-term ramifications of doing it now. Mm-hmm. But like right now, we're in one of the biggest crises for young people between the ages of 18 and 30 who are out in L.A. and out in these places where they can't afford rent. So there's like there's only so many avenues that they can go to to make money right now. So a lot of people who would never have thought of doing an OnlyFans account are now doing OnlyFans accounts to be able to you know live. I need to understand what that is a little deeper, but we're not going to learn that here right now because okay. I'm still trying to figure out the difference between IGTV and IG Live. So, guys, <laughs> let's leave that right there and go back to Tom Brady <laughs> and Gronkowski in Tampa Bay. I am going to be. Reminds me of Maria. What? I'm from Cleveland, and we. I don't know if you remember in 2010, LeBron left. Hello, the Cavs, of course. Along with um, Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, so yeah. the big three. Those three were really credited for giving the Heat championships back-to-back in 2012 and 2013. Mm-hmm. As a Clevelander who loved LeBron, it was very complicated. And I'm going to be very interested to see how you respond to this because with Gronk and Brady, they are now a serious championship contender. How would you feel if they won the championship? Not your, It's not your team. I'm telling you, I'm going to be very confused. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a Tom Brady fan for so many years. Like. I remember the only thing I I remember like this was like when Ray Bork left the Boston Bruins to go win Mm -hmm. a championship because it just was not happening in Boston. And he left, I think it was to Colorado and we were all so happy for him when he won. It was like amazing. When you're on the go 24 seven, like me guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials. It's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. But I, 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 I'm, this is so baffling and confusing. Brady and Gronk, it's crazy. It's just too much for me to handle. I'm just so glad, I drank last night. I'm glad that during quarantine, though, we haven't had to experience all these get-togethers of people burning their jerseys and everyone going crazy and rioting, though. I know. So that's nice. Yeah, I will never burn my jerseys. Um, I will say that uh, I was telling Kevin yesterday, I'm like, Kevin, I'm really getting, it, I think this is starting to fic- officially affect me. And we have a chair on the porch. So like the next step, (laughs) the next step is a banjo and playing the deliverance song. I know. 
I'm going to walk in for the show and hear. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I, you know, my mom has been really challenging. Yeah. And it's been really getting to us all. And I mean, yesterday I just said to her, I go, mom, this isn't who you are. Why are you doing this? Like you're killing us. It's been so hard. So, uh, after another fall yesterday, because she will just get up. <clears throat> if someone has to go to the bathroom, we're like, mom, one minute, just wait. She's like, nope. And gets up and falls. And so, uh, I, I was like, okay, that's it. I need, I need humans. So <laughs> I texted my neighbor I was like, can we socially distance drink? <laughs> we went outside <laughs> on the street and we were probably eight feet apart. There was a space of shade on that side and a space of shade on this side. And we just sat there with our Bud Lights on the street <laughs> and drank. And it was so much fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I had a mango and just like a small bowl of veggies in my body. So a couple of beers and I was toasted. And it felt so good. I texted Kevin. I'm like, I'm so happy. And he's like, you deserve. And so uh, I came home and uh, he had a pizza ready. And I inhaled two slices of pizza. And I was like, I'll meet you in bed. Out cold. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Guys, 7 p.m. I was out cold dead and i haven't slept that well in a long time like i mean i slept probably four and a half five straight hours without interruption because i was so toasted and i always remember like why don't i drink more drinking is great oh my god can i say i hear you maria and like telling you I feel like the number of bottles of wine that my sweet, sweet wife and I have gone through during quarantine, <laughs> because there's no, I mean, I'm here a lot, which is great, but mm-hmm. like, she's working from home. She's trying to produce a late night show from home. If you're at home all day, all of a sudden 4 PM rolls around and you think, well, I can keep working. I might just make a glass of wine and mm-hmm. you know how it goes. A yep. lot of people are talking about it. alcohol sales have gone up. We've gone through two bottles of vodka in like three weeks by every Saturday or Friday. I think it's Friday night after we finish work. We watch a movie and we drink vodka and screwdrivers. And we've seen Lego. I thought you were going to say we drink vodka and screw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I want to know. HR. Not that. It's no, hilarious. we haven't started our OnlyFans for AfterBuzz yet. Um, but no, we've seen the Lego movie too. We've seen Frozen 2. And we've seen The Hunt. That's I'm wondering so what the next one's going to be. But yeah, it's like our bonding for the week to de-stress. I love it. I mean, listen, I'm not saying I haven't had, like the other night I made an amazing cocktail. Stanley Tucci's got nothing on me. I went out. I got a lime from the tree. I got two blood oranges, put some tequila and club soda in there. And it was oh, magnificent. But I just had one. Like, this is more... I don't drink. Like, I'm not a drinker. Um, If we have a party or whatever, you know I go all in. But it's not part of my thing. I don't know how to do it. Like, so I texted my my neighbor and I said, I had so much fun last night. And I said, I really think... And I remind myself very, you know, on, on these occasions, like, drinking can be fun and i don't know why i don't know this and she texted me back she's like maria what is wrong with you she's like how have you not gotten you know become aware of the joys of drinking i'm like i guess i just don't pay attention like my parents didn't grow up drinking so it's not something like i i feel like you 
you learn from your parents in a sense, right? So they mm-hmm. they weren't drinkers. My dad would make wine, and so there was always a wine thing around here or there. But I don't. I'm not that person. So I think it's just you're in a career where you don't have. Like, people think that the events you go to are like, oh, everyone's drinking all the time. But you can't be drunk at an industry event. You can't be even toasty. No. Like, really, it's, like, I think for the past, how many years now has it been, Maria? You've been focused solely on career. Yeah. And even now, you've been focused on getting better in your health. And alcohol is not necessarily conducive to that. So you don't really have an excuse to be like, hey, let's drink. No. So, I mean, everyone needs to let loose once in a while. Oh, I let loose. We're not going to be able to have the birthday party this year. I know. Guys, it was so much fun. I really, like, I got so much joy from it last night. And then my neighbors were having a massive bash. It was so loud. My ring cameras, I can hear their conversations vividly. Like, and they're far. They're not, like, right on top of us. Like, I I was, like, blown away. And I'm like, okay, maybe they social distanced in their backyard. I don't know. But it was, like, a rager. I think a lot of people are starting to lose it. But... Um, let's transition from OnlyFans, Tom Brady, and Tom Gronk. Brady and Gronk, the meteor showers, and me getting wasted to Tony Robbins. <laughs> because um, I I know if you are a fan of the show, uh, you know how instrumental he has been in my life. I've gone to seminars, I've read his books, um, and. Those have changed my life, but I've also become friends with him. And he has, he's just armed me with so many tools. And I think that tools are really, really important in life. And we are not just given them, right? And our parents aren't necessarily going to um, give us all of them either. And they're going to have their flaws. And school is teaching us, you know, science and math and whatever. They can't get to, you know, the tools that we really need to, to get better in life. And so... Um, I went to, uh, unleash the power within, and that was the first seminar that, um, was game changing for me. And like I said, from there on, it was other seminars, books, and so much more. And I wouldn't have been able to go through all of the things that I've gone through in the last few years and gone through them in a positive way, um, without his teaching. So I wanted to see if he would share with all of us his best tools and tips for, how to kind of survive and thrive these times because they're very challenging times. And I know that it's possible and I know that he's doing it. So we're going to learn from him. He's, excuse me, of course, an entrepreneur, New York Times bestselling author, philanthropist, and the number one life and business strategist. He's been doing this for more than four decades. He's helped more than 50 million people. He's worked with everyone from Oprah to Bill Clinton, Leo DiCaprio, and so many more. My friend, Tony Robbins. How are you, Tony? I'm doing great, Maria. How are you, honey? I'm good. Where are you coming to us from? I'm home, like the rest of us, right? I'm in Palm Beach, Florida right now, here with my family, which is wonderful. I would be in Fiji if I was you. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you quarantine in Fiji? Because Florida is pretty much like Fiji, but I'm also closer to all my companies and all my employees and just a lot easier time zone wise and everything else. But yeah, I, I was tempted to go there, obviously, but we kind of got a version of that here. And Florida's in pretty darn good shape. I mean, you know, they thought Florida would be one of the biggest hotspots because it has an age community. A lot of people come to retire here and they're out playing golf and they're having, you know, great quality of life. There have been obviously some deaths here, but very small number of deaths compared to anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, life here hasn't changed a whole lot, quite honestly, but 
my concern is for people that have had their life be changed and how to help those people during these difficult times. I know we're at 26 million people unemployed right now. I want to ask before we get into all of the tips for everybody, you know, for someone like you, who I know is nonstop, I mean, and I know you're nonstop. I know you're doing meetings with AJ Gupta at two in the morning. <laughs> How yeah. has this changed you? I don't know if it's changed me. I think I've had to adapt in terms of how I can serve, obviously. I mean, I had events in San Francisco, at, you know, Amsterdam, London, uh, Australia, all canceled instantaneously that I've been doing during this time. I haven't had since I was probably 19 years old. I haven't had this much time in one location at home, and I've not this many days off stage. I think the longest I've been off stage is five weeks in 43 years, to give you an idea. So, uh, but, you know, I've got plenty of other things to, to deal with as well, because I have 54 companies and I have about 2,300 employees. And, you know, you have companies like, you know, I own uh, the LAFC. I'm one of the owners of the um, Major League Soccer team out there. We built the stadium. Just one example, one company. And now there's no season. And think of this. You have a brand new stadium you're paying for, all these players, and you have no TV revenues, no sponsorship, no ticket sales. I have a place in Fiji that, you know, has no coronavirus there, but... There are no planes going there for people. So I have 200 employees there. They're a part of villages and children there that I'm looking after. And, and I feel a sense of responsibility to find out how to make this work, even though there's no work to be have done. Um, so it's a challenging time. And I've spent more time on Zoom <laughs> my entire lifetime uh, because I've got to be able to communicate and support those employees, those businesses. And then I've been trying to help people that have their own businesses that are in such trouble right now. I mean, I've always been preparing people, as you know, for winter because mm -hmm. I wrote the book Unshakable in preparation for this time. I just didn't know it would include shutting down two thirds of the planet and making them stay home and shutting down all businesses. I thought it'd just be an economic winter, um, but I didn't know it was going to be a winter of this level of fear and where things were outside people's control. So much is outside their control. So my focus is on helping people focus on what they can control, what they can do, mm -hmm. what they are in charge of so they can move ahead. And so that Listen, the question we all need to be asking ourselves is we've got this little time period. I've loved being with my family more at home. I've loved, I found the, the joy in that in the midst of the pain and challenges, because that's what you have to do. But you also have to ask yourself, who are you going to be when this is over? Because this too shall pass. And are you going to just let the environment shape you or are you going to kind of shape yourself? And now's the time to start doing it before we all end up back at work. My work hasn't stopped, obviously, but for a lot of people, they haven't been able to work. So yeah. now's the time to start designing that. A hundred percent. That's the thing that I was curious about is, have you enjoyed being in one place? Since I know yeah. that that is a very foreign concept for you. And also, I know that you've had so many health struggles um, in the last few years. And so I was thinking, wow, like, this is the only thing that could force Tony to stop. And did you take did you take it in and allow it so that you can you can get some of the benefit of it? Let's get those vocal cords rested. Let's get your mind rested, your body rested, so that when you go back out, you can still be your force of nature, you know, force for good. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused 
on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. Yes, well, for sure. I mean, last year I did 108 cities and uh, 18 countries, some of them multiple times, you know, saw a quarter of a million people in live events and it was extreme. And then I had mercury poisoning, as you know, from just eating fish. I was eating clean, I thought, salad and fish. But uh, I have a unique DNA that doesn't metabolize and I got all this mercury in my body and as a result, it burned a hole in my esophagus. And so I was on stage this time last year in Australia doing Date with Destiny in a wheelchair because I wasn't willing to not deliver and give. So yes, I've seen the gift that God's giving me in the world in this place. And, um, and But I've trained more than I've ever done in my life. I'm the best shape of my life. I always train like a crazy person. So keep your mind strong. I always tell people, make your body strong. You can't separate. You know, fear and courage are physical. You know, if you're feeling fearful, you just got to understand that that's something physical and it's really fear. You feel it in your throat and your gut, all those things. But so is courage. Courage isn't that you're not afraid. Courage is you're afraid, but you do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? You just train yourself to push through. And that you get by an intense workout, whether it's a sprint, a run, a good, strong walk, lifting, anytime you push beyond what you're comfortable with. You know, you know, I jump in ice water every single morning, 56 degree water. There's never a day where I wake up and go, I can't wait to jump in that ice water. But I do it to train my mind for times like this or anytime it's needed that I don't negotiate with myself and come to the water and go, well, maybe in five minutes or maybe in a minute or let me get ready. I just go. I train myself. I say, go, we go. We don't negotiate. And so- (laughs) I'm doing all those things on an even greater level and also just enjoying being here. My wife has always wanted me to take a sabbatical. So this is like a forced sabbatical here for a few months. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, and I also wonder, uh, I'm sure people are calling you more than ever for help. And and I know I, I mentioned a lot of celebrities and, you know, powerful presidents and such. Are people calling you more now uh, and, and i'm thinking about like those a-list kind of top-notch people who are fearful because i feel like it this is obviously the greatest equalizer it's 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 hitting everybody so have people like that been calling you and what are you telling them of course i mean i, I you know i get the calls anyway so I've, they've been exaggerated during this time but like you said it affects everybody so i have so many business people that have been reaching out i, I did a couple of webinars specifically in Australia and the UK and here to try and show them what the government's doing to help them while they're being shut down and help them to get some of that money before it ran out. So I was trying to do practical things to help people in those areas. Uh, you know, if somebody, business owners that they, they can't function, they've lost all their income, they have all their overhead, they really care about their employees. And so we're just strategizing, how can they reinvent themselves? What can they do differently? And so some are, have been able to do that, some not yet, quite frankly, it's just, it's different for everybody. But I think the most important thing, and I hope your audience uh, that's you know tuning in right now, I hope they're kind to themselves during this time because I, I see so many people call me up and they're mad at themselves for being fearful. And I just, you know, I try to tell them, how could you not be fearful? 
I mean, just when every single moment what's coming at you, if you turn on the news and the news doesn't have to be turned on now, it chases you in your pocket, right? In your phone. Mm-hmm. And all you see is the worst case scenario projected for month after month. And the entire focus on, you know, this is could be the end of the world type of mindset. Um, I mean, you turn on the news now, they have like most of the channels like CNN has a red frame, even during the commercials showing you the number of the people who have the disease or are infected rather in the deaths as if it's going to change in 30 seconds. I mean, it literally is that dominant in the culture. And then what all of us have that most people don't realize is we all have a 2 million year old brain. That's what's in common. I don't know how developed you are in your intellect or your courage. We all have this part of our brain that's always looking for what's wrong anyway. It's trying to figure out what's wrong so it can protect you from it, right? It can, it can get you to either fight or flight, get away from it or freeze and hope you're not noticed. It's a survival instinct. And that instinct has been in us as long as we've been around. So when you see figures like, you know, the CDC was saying, you know, just up until a few weeks ago was saying 200,000 to 2 million people are going to die. Mm-hmm. Or Dr. Tony Foxy was saying 200,000 to 2 million. Or they read in the New York Times, 200,000 to 1.8 million people are going to die. Here in the U.S. alone. And, uh, you know, so what else are you supposed to do besides have fear? So my first thing is slow down and be kind to yourself. There's no other way you could do this because whatever you focus on, you feel. And that focus now is being competed for. And these people in news, they're good people. They, they want people to be protected. They care. But they also are a business. And in addition, the business has learned and they're driven by that business, not the commentators, but the business itself mm-hmm. understands that, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. Understands that we're not here to educate or inform people anymore. That's not what the news does anymore. It's designed to startle you because we're all in, we're all in competition for your attention. It's not an information economy anymore. There's more information we can absorb. We're, you know, we're drowning in information, but we're starving for wisdom. And so what's happened now is got to startle you to get your attention because your attention is what they get paid for. So if they cite you or upset you or worry you, you click on or you watch. And that's how they get paid. So there's no bad intent. And all they're doing is reporting what other people are trying to do to try and protect you. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the protection produces more pain than the actual problem. And so in this case, here's how you can get yourself out of fear. If you can take a breath, turn off the TV and just go research a couple simple things. First of all, it's all coming out now that their estimates of death are 20 times more than that they are. Not 1%, 10%, 5%, 100%, 1%, 10%, 5%, 100%, 20 times more. We are told 200,000 to 2 million deaths. And any death matters, obviously. It's devastating. It's your family, somebody you know, or somebody you don't even know. But the truth of the matter is they're now estimating me 60,000 deaths. And if you look at what now has happened, you've been told this was going to be the thing that was going to destroy the world, that we're going to have all these millions and millions of people dying, and it's just not going to happen. It's not happening. And the reason is because the morbidity level which is how many people die as a result of the disease, is nowhere near what they originally estimated. And they didn't mean anything bad by it. Tony Fotsi and all these guys, the CDC, they looked at China and they said, oh my God, it looks like the number of people that are are getting it and going to hospital and dying is 3.5 to 4.5%, which if you multiply that over millions of people, it would devastate the world. But what we're finding now, and Dr. Fotsi himself has now done this, in fact, I, I said a thing so you could put it on the screen so people know I'm not just making crazy stuff up is that, in fact, that the infection rate is much lower. And how, why are they finding that's much lower? They're testing more people. The more people we test, the more we find have, you know, the, the virus. But what's interesting is the majority of them have no symptoms whatsoever. They don't even know they have it or very mild symptoms. 
the reason our hospitals were overrun is because all this news was like, oh my God, if you got a cough, if you got a fever, if you have these basic things, it could be the flu or you could be dying of COVID-19, mm-hmm. people out of caution ran to the hospitals, overwhelmed them. I was just talking, I did a podcast uh, with Dr. Bob Harari, who's you know genius in the field and was talking about all these people rushing and 90% of them didn't belong there and overwhelmed them initially. But that the actual number of people that die compared to the number of people infected is completely different than what we thought. That's why they had the hospital ship in New York and thousand beds and only 20 were used. Uh, they built up you know, the Javits Center and didn't use those beds. Uh, in Washington, they built an entire complex, didn't use any of the beds because the projections were wrong. But we're still in our head hearing this and we see it every day and whatever we focus on, we feel. Mm-hmm. So what Fossey said, you can put it on your screen if you got to really send it so people know it, but this is really fantastic. He said, because the way to get the good news is not to hope, it's not to guess, it's to really use science. And we mm-hmm. keep hearing people say science, but some of the science, it's only as good as the information you put in as the information get out. This, the projections by Fossey's own description were inaccurate. Mm-hmm. So what he just said a week and a half ago, and he said this in the New England Journal of Medicine, he said, if one assumes that the number of asymptomatic people with no symptoms or minimally symptomatic cases is several times as high as the number of reported cases, then the case fatality rate, in other words, people that died, is considerably less than 1%. That suggests that the overall clinical consequences of COVID-19 might ultimately be more akin to those of a severe seasonal influenza or flu season. Now, he's not the only one. He's the one you'd want to listen to. He's the one on TV every night. But uh, two days later, he was asking the press, you said 200,000 to 2 million. And he said, well, I think 200,000. He said, but you said 2 million. He said, well, it could be that. Don't quote me on it. Because everyone's trying to be so cautious that they're producing so much fear. And studies show that fear suppresses your immune system. So you're not doing yourself any good to make that happen. But of course you would. But what's really nice, Stanford did a study. It was published two days ago. And they tested more than 3,000 people. And they found that the estimates of infection, right, how many people have the virus, even if they're not feeling it, versus deaths, that the number is radically different, 0.12 to 0.2, which is the same as the flu. LA just did a study, this came out. Uh, They thought there were 16,000 infections. The new study says there may be as many as 350,000 infections based on new tests they've done to see who has antibodies, who's actually doing well. Mm -hmm. Brings it down to the same as the flu. But we just see everything on the news constantly. And what do we do? We go into fear. So I'm not telling you to stop social distancing or stop listening what the government tells you, of course, do what they're telling you to do and wash your hands and do all the things you know to do at this point. But what I am saying is you don't want to live in fear because that will shut your nervous system, your immune system down. It'll make it harder for you to communicate. It'll make your life so stressful. So don't beat yourself up for doing it. And I'll give you one more step that's kind of interesting. There's only two countries in the world that did not do everything we're doing. They didn't shut down their whole country, didn't shut down their restaurants and so forth. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way. 
T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the way. T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Fourth one is Sweden. And Sweden, and you may have seen in the last few days, there's all these studies coming out because they've had 1,900 deaths in Sweden. Uh, you know, you go to Italy, you're 25,000. Germany, 20,000. You know, you can go across the board. 20, only a couple thousand. 10 million people. So Italy has 60 million people. When you adjust, it's still way smaller than Italy or Spain or mm-hmm. these different places. But what's interesting is their preschools and schools have been open the whole time. Their restaurants are open. All those things have functioned. What's an even better example is Japan. People are calling Japan the hotspot. It's not the way the media does things sometimes. But there's 125 million people in Japan. There are 322 deaths. And they're open. They were, the clubs are open until three or four days ago, and they just got so much social pressure from other countries. They closed down the dance clubs. And so you'd say, well, what do I compare that to? Well, let's go to New York. There's 20 million people in New York. And what, uh, yesterday, a little over 15,000 deaths. Pretty horrible, but the same number. Think about that. 120 million, you had six times as many people, 299 deaths, and a place six times less the number of people, 299 deaths, and they haven't done anything that we've done. So what Many are finding what traditionally happens is we all get a virus and we develop what's called herd immunity, which means when you're a kid, you know, when I was a kid, moms would have measles parties where they invite the kids over. They all get it and then they're done with it. Then they develop immunity and they're fine. I'm not suggesting that's what we do, but I think when we do the research on this and it's starting to happen, Nobel Prize winners are where I'm getting this information from. I'm doing podcasts, interviewing the brightest minds in the world who are saying we were wrong. We didn't mean to be wrong, but we were wrong. And now it's kind of hard to shift everything all of a sudden because there's so much fear there. So my only thing is not to say, don't take it seriously or don't wash your hands or mm-hmm. you know, social distance, do all the things the government's telling you to do, but don't live in fear. Because if you're under age of 65 and you don't have cancer, heart disease, diabetes, or some other severe illness beforehand, your chance of dying from this disease is 0.00 like nine. It's just ridiculous. It's just not going to happen. So you don't need to live in fear. And I know that the culture has created fear, but you know, when you follow the culture, you become a follower. If you're a leader, that means as a parent or of a company or you know of your friends or of your community, you know, leaders create their own culture. And a culture of fear will not make us more healthy. And a culture of fear will create things being exaggerated. And there's reasons to do that for certain businesses but they're not going to help your family and they're not going to help you. The best thing you can do for your children is not be fearful because they're going to feel what you feel, even mm-hmm. if you don't say it. You and I both know that. Yeah. I think we have responsibility to our kids. We have responsibility to our loved ones. We have responsibility to our community and to ourselves to inform ourselves because all these decisions were made on a very limited bit of information. And now there's a lot more information, but man, we've had months of this is how it is. And so some people, it's like religion. They can't hear anything else. So they get mad and say, You're telling people things that are going to make them die. No, these are just facts coming from the most highly qualified virologists, Nobel Prize winners, and medical doctors in the world. Meanwhile, we have the brave men and women out there that are on the front lines giving their all. I mean, they need our love and our support. You know, it's it's so interesting to hear about Sweden and Japan. I did not know that. And then comparing it to New York, and it just makes me wonder why, right? I know New York is very dense, but from what I know, Japan is too. (laughs) Yeah, how to get on a train in Tokyo versus yeah. New York? I mean, it's so then so much- why? Why do you think? Well, because we here's the challenge: if you cut yourself right now, bam, and you did nothing, what's going to heal your body? If there was no doctor around, does your body have its own healing force? We yeah. know the answer is yes, and we expect that our bodies will do this. 
but human beings have been around how many hundreds of thousands of years in some form? How many viruses and things have come and gone during that time? But what happens is now we overreact and we're, it's like parenting. We're trying to do the right thing. I think I wouldn't want Pachi's job or anybody like him. And they're, they're trying to do everything to protect everybody. But sometimes the protection can actually create consequences that are as bad or even worse than what you're trying to protect from. Mm. And when you have limited information and you make a decision really quickly because you're trying to protect, you can make mistakes. And there's no question these numbers are wrong. Nobody's arguing with that at this stage. The estimates that the government's now giving is 60,000 people dying. And by the way, 35,000 to 80,000 people die every year of the flu in the United States. 650,000 people die every year of the flu in the world. And, and we have a billion people be infected, not 2.6 million. I should give you something that helps people too, because when we hear numbers, unless you're a numbers person, and even if you are, big numbers get kind of pushed together. So this is an interesting thing that might be helpful so you can not be fearful. A million versus a billion versus a trillion, right? How much is a million seconds ago? I ask people to think about it. If you're at home right now, listen, if you had a guess, really make yourself guess. A million seconds ago is how long ago? Some people tell me 50 years, some 10, some a year, some six months. The answer is 12 days ago. A million seconds, so you get proportion, was 12 days ago. A billion seconds then would be how long ago? 32 years ago. Didn't you see a million and a billion is different universes? And by the way, a trillion is 32,000 years ago before man was called man. So when you hear 2.6 million people are infected, by the way, most of them asymptomatic or mild symptoms. That's not how many people are hospitalized. And you hear 182,000 deaths, it, it tears me up. I'm sure it does you too. But 650,000 people die of the flu every year and we don't freak out about it. Same thing in the United States. Here you've got 46,000, 47,000 people that have died of COVID-19. By the way, they're not doing tests for this anymore. The CDC a few weeks ago said, you don't have to do tests. If you suspect it's COVID, you call it a COVID death. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of argument from the scientific community and doctors saying, wait, people are being died of COVID when they were dying of cancer, heart disease, or emphysema, or other things. We're calling it all COVID. It's not a plot. It's just that's where our focus is. So we're looking at those things. And so we don't overreact to those things. I mean, I'll tell you some statistics. You know, if you want to be really crazy, think about how many children die of hunger every day that we ignore. I don't ignore it. I know you don't ignore it, but most people do. Five children die literally every single minute from hunger in this world, in in a world that has so many resources. That's 300 children in an hour, every hour of the day, 24 hours a day, 365. That's 7,200 children a day. That's 3.1 million children a year. And no one's freaking out. 3,500 people die a day of cancer and heart disease. Their moms, their dads, their children, their family members, their people. I mean, and they die every day. We've gotten used to it. And so no one's saying, my God, what are we going to do about this at the same level? And it's not in the news every moment, yeah. right? So but when we're thinking about our lives, if we're going to be have, if we're going to be able to serve those we love, we've got to stay resourceful. We've got to stay in a place where we're strong enough, we can help those we love and we can help ourselves. And to do that, you got to put it in proportion. I mean, I'll give you one more example. Think of uh, fatalities from car accidents. There's 1.25 million people a year that die in a car accident around the world. That's 3,200 people a day. Here's my question. Why do they die? Some it's their own fault. Many of them, it's the contagion of someone else. You're driving down a street or highway. There's nothing but a yellow line dividing you from crazies. And you know, every day statistically, 
Someone's going to fall asleep and come over and kill someone. Someone's going to be on drugs and do it. Someone's going to be texting and do it. 3,200 deaths a day every single year, but we still drive. We don't say stay home because someone could come across and kill you because we use the one gift that we all have. It's not a religious gift. I'm not talking about religion. It's the F word, faith. The only thing every religion agrees on. They disagree on the name of God, how to worship God, but they all understand that we can't function without faith. And the great thing about faith is it's not religious. You're born with it. If you didn't have faith, you couldn't drive down that street with cars coming at you 65 miles an hour. How do you do it? Because you know, if I don't, I have to stay home and have no life. So what do we do? We create faith. We create certainty that even though it happens every day, it's not going to happen to me. I'm going to stay aware and I'm going to live my life. And that's what we're going to need to get back to as we go back to work here eventually. Because if we're going to get to where no one has the disease or no one has the virus, that's not going to happen. You could try and shut down the whole world. It's not going to happen. And people are knowing that. That's why more talk pointing to Sweden and Japan and talking about herd immunity, which is usually how we deal with things. We just did it differently this way because it looks so scary. Mm-hmm. It still does if you watch the news every single day. But it's just not, it's not the facts today. And if you say to some people, I'll get really emotional, upset with you, and oh, you're you're gonna get people dying. No, we're just we're supposed to be doing this based on science. And unfortunately, science didn't have all the answers and they're getting more of them now. So we have to learn to adapt or we're stuck in our mind because of our fear. Yeah, fear is paralyzing. And it's one of the biggest things that you're always trying to teach in your seminars. And it's interesting because I was I was joking with the team earlier that I was finally starting to come on a little unglued yesterday. Right. And How could you- Yeah. And I've been really positive about it. I've actually enjoyed quarantine. It's been great. But you know, there are things that are going on that, you know, finally coming unglued. And I texted my neighbor. I'm like, can we please socially distance drink on the street? So we went out (laughs) to their front yard. And we social distance drink and I got drunk and it was amazing. And I woke up probably five hours. I slept from like seven to 1230 or so. Solid sleep. My first solid As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Night of sleep, I think. And I woke up and I was paralyzed from fear that I touched my door handle and I didn't wash my hands. And do you know, Tony, that from, (laughs) yeah, from like 1230, probably till 430, I couldn't fall back asleep because I was like, Oh my God, I endangered my whole family. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? Why did I do this? (laughs) I was not being kind to myself. I, I, I literally got so freaked out over it. Meanwhile, I had the best night ever and I probably needed that way more than anything else. (laughs) But it is a really scary thing when you have elderly sick parents like I do 
and you are trying to protect them. And so how do you teach people to kind of, especially in this scenario, get out of their heads and release that fear when obviously, and you teach, you know, you can let the world feed your mind or you can feed your mind. So I'm doing it on a daily basis. I'm working really hard to avoid the news like I used to before this, right? And then I got reacquainted with it very quickly during this crisis. And then I had to abandon it again. And, you know, I'm doing my meditations and I'm focusing on good feeling thoughts and things like that. But it's hard for people. I have the training. I have gone to your seminars. I have read your books. Um, how do you give them solid tools to get through that? Well, let's talk about the tool, but first let's also acknowledge, honey, that you've gone through what, two experiences of the brain tumor and you manage yourself as well as any human being I know. And I think it's one of the reasons along with great medical care, why you're healthy, because you did your part. Are right? you let yourself be able to deal with that fear as it showed up? It's not like fear doesn't show up. Um, but it's what are we going to do with it and how do we manage it when it shows up? Because that two million year old brain, I have it, everybody has it. It can get kicked off, you know, especially when you're getting a barrage of things coming at you. And, and again, all well-meaning people. I don't think I hear all these conspiracy theories about stuff. It's just like, it's not how it happened. Mistakes were made. They came from good intentions. But now there is some face saving for some people. And there are other people that are now hypnotized into what they heard originally and they can't hear anything else. It's because the fear has grabbed them. So, you know, when you have a normal flu, the people that die most often are the elderly as well. And often it's passed on. But again, it's just like everything else. We're used to, we got to drive our cars. We got to live life. We can't do these things. But how do you manage this? I think uh, one of the things that I like to teach people that I discovered for myself years ago, when I discovered it, it became so invaluable was that my whole life is controlled primarily by my decisions. And when I say my decisions, I'm not like I'm so all powerful, that kind of BS, because there's plenty of things I can't control, right? We can't control government, the weather, the health of our loved ones. There's so much that, that we can't control. But what I realized is that the decision I make about what I'm going to focus on and what it's going to mean and what I'm going to do, three decisions, those decisions are being made all the time. Even as your listeners are listening right now, they're deciding what to focus on. If they focus in on, oh, this is interesting. There's some information I didn't know. Or these people are saying things that endanger people. Is that the meaning? So we focus, we give it a meaning, we decide what to do. And most of that happens so fast that we're not conscious of it, so we're not in control. And so we're basically controlled by our conditioning. But let me give you an example. So the first decision you're making every moment is what are you going to focus on? Whatever you focus on, you're going to feel it. And it's going to feel real to you, even if it's not. If if someone came and told you your best friend is talking behind your back and they did these horrible, evil things and they try to hurt you in all these ways, and you know they're your friend. You're going to, no, no, you're confused. You're, mis- you're mistaken, you misunderstood. But if two people together come to you and tell you that, and they're so certain, you might find yourself saying, wow, maybe this person isn't my friend. Maybe they're screwing around. Then you might get hurt, which means you'll probably get mad. Have you ever had somebody you got really mad at, something you thought they did, and then you confronted them and found out you were wrong? <laughs> it didn't even happen at all. You felt like an idiot? Well, that happens all the time. Have you ever been fearful something was going to happen? It just overtook you so much. And then it never happened. Happens all the time. Because our brains tend to rush to the worst scenario because that's that two-million-year-old brain. But we have a choice. We can focus on patterns of focus that will make your life richer and more beautiful. So I'll, I'll give you all of your listeners a quick three, three tests, real fast. You can do it with me. If you do, I think you'll find this more interesting and useful. So I can give you 20 patterns. I'll give you three. So one pattern that I try to point out in seminars because it's so obvious, so I'll ask people, 
I'll say, what you focus on is what you feel. What you focus on is reality to you, even though it may not be reality and actuality, because it's what you experience. You experience what you focus on. So I said, I'm going to look at three patterns. The first pattern would be, and I'm asking all of you at home, uh, we all tend to focus on either what we have at times, what we have, what we're grateful, or what's missing. And we don't focus them on equal amounts. We all have different patterns. And it's no right or wrong. I'm not here to judge. I just want you to see what's going on. So if you don't like it, you can change it. So the question is for all those listening or watching right now, where do you spend more of your time and your focus on what's missing, what you need, what's missing, or what you already have? Now, you know the answer if you're honest with yourself. And whenever I do this, seminars, 10, 15, 20,000 people or more, all over the world, 100 countries, the vast majority of people that are proactive, people trying to make their life better, more achievers even, are usually more focused on what's missing. Now, what's the challenge with that? Well, if you're constantly focusing what's missing, how can you sustain happiness? You can see it's impossible. It doesn't matter how smart you are. The pattern of seeing what's missing keeps us feel like there's not enough. We're not enough. It's not enough. It's, and so there's always this sense of missing or loss or pain at an unconscious level, even if not conscious level. Now, we all have moments where we focus on what we have and we're grateful for it. But unless you make that the habit, you know, all kinds of studies have shown something as simple as keeping like the gratitude journal where you write down three things you're grateful for every day, you know, and you make that a ritual. So you start to train your mind first thing in the morning to think of that. And it stacks one on another. And, and all of a sudden you got real reasons to be grateful. And when you're grateful, you're not afraid. When you're grateful, you're not angry. That's the beauty of gratitude. So, you know, just by changing that focus from what's missing to what you have, you change the quality of your life because you, you don't experience life. You experience life that you focus on. And so what happens is a lot of achievers, and I'm sure a lot of the men, and I know you have a predominantly female audience as well, and achiever women, any achiever man or woman tends to focus on what's missing to try to motivate themselves, but it, it's a bad habit. You can do that for a short time. What's missing? Where am I not where I want to be? Where's my company? Where are my children and my family not where I want to be? Where's my body not where I want to be? You can do that, but a short moment and then put a plan together and go to work. But what most people do is, like, if I asked you, all of you watching, what's one of the great achievements of your life? What's something you achieved, you worked hard for, and you're so happy and you got it? And when you finally achieved it, it probably felt pretty amazing, right? Mm -hmm. The question is, how long did you feel that amazing? So tell me the experience <laughs> in your life. Maria, what's something that you achieved that was like a huge goal and you achieved it and you're out of your mind. You're so thrilled you achieved it. Give me an example, if you don't mind. It was when I became a New York Times bestselling author. Awesome. Awesome. I can believe that. That's a fun moment, right? You remember yeah. the moment it happened? You, tell me about the moment. What did you, what did you feel? What did you see? What did you experience? I was at a McDonald's drive-through getting last minute food for an interview I was heading out to with my <laughs> husband. And we both screamed and went bananas because they had told me it was not possible and to not get my hopes up. And he crashed our Prius into the little like parking pole because he had pulled over. And we were like, holy shit, this is amazing. Oh, my God. And then I was like, shit, we got to get to this interview. We got to go. And then we went through the drive through. I went home. I interviewed John Sally. And then the moment was gone. And it was on to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our lives, right? So yeah. I ask people, I say, if you, anyone at home, think of a moment was just a great accomplishment. You worked a long time. It was hard. Not something you just wanted and it showed up. Something you'd really worked for. You got it and you felt incredible. You felt happy. You felt joyous. You felt excited. You felt whatever. How long did it last? Did it last five years from that moment, from the achievement? A year? Six months? Three months? Three days? <laughs> three hours? Three minutes? 
for most people, it's somewhere between three minutes and maybe three weeks, right? Yep. Somewhere in that range. And the reason it's not bad, it's because the purpose of us as souls is to grow. I mean, I look at this situation, I say, my mentality, my mindset, my core belief is, you know, everything has a greater good in it somewhere. And, you know, there's a greater intelligence than myself. You can call it God, you can call it life, you can call it infinite intelligence, you can call it energy of life, whatever you want to call it, right? But there's something greater than me, clearly, and you. And there is a greater meaning, but my job is to find that empowering meaning. My job is to, to figure out how to use what life has given me to do something greater. And I can look back on my life, and I'm sure many of your listeners and viewers here have. If you think of something that maybe happened five or 10 years ago that was horrible, that you'd never want to go through it again, that you'd never want anybody you love to go through it. You know, five or 10 or 15 years later, you look back on it and you go, I never want to go through it again in a million years. But thank God that happened because it made me so much stronger or it made me care so much more or it gave me this lesson that's helped me to do other things that are so beautiful. So I believe our purpose is to evolve and that there's a higher meaning in all. So I look for that. I focus on that. And so I tend to find it. It may be BS, but it sure makes my life a lot better than if I go, this is all just happening and it's out of control and it's horrible. Don't get me wrong. I have those moments too. Everybody does, especially when this first happened. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> no. um, but, but especially when I started seeing the real numbers, but I know nobody's, you know, you can call fault. Everybody's trying to find fault with somebody. It's not fault. It's just like, this is part of the process that we're going through in the modern world, trying to figure some of these things out. And it's unfortunate, it's painful, but what we've got to focus on is the solution. So my point is, if you focus on what's missing, you're going to have nothing but pain. Mm -hmm. If you focus on what you have, the time you have with your family, right? Your chance to maybe redesign what you're going to do for your career or how you're going to transform your business into this new economy, whatever it's going to look like, or reading or feeling your mind or doing something else or enjoying a a good evening of sleep and uh, some and refreshments lights. of some sort, right? To put some balance <laughs> in your life because you don't have much balance, then, then you're going to feel different. The second decision we make, or second type of pattern, I should say, of focus, is do you focus on what you can control or what you can't control? Mm. It's pretty important. Now, my audiences, they're proactive, right? They're spending time, energy, money coming from a multiple days to improve their life and, you know, 10, 12,000 people from, say, 40 countries or, you know, translating three languages simultaneously. So, I mean, it's, you know, you've been there, it's intent. They're committed in that group. The majority of people are focused on what they can control. It's why they came. They came to the seminar, they got the book, they did something because they want to take control of their mind, their body, their emotions, their relationship, their business, their career. And so they know there are tools that can do that and they believe it, so they go get them. But think of the opposite. What if you had both these patterns? What if you're constantly focusing on what's missing? It's just a habit. It's nothing wrong with you, it's just a habit. It's what the two million year old brain will do if you don't take control of it. I'm constantly looking at what's missing and what I can't control. What are you going to feel? Anyone who feels mm -hmm. that. You're going to feel depressed or angry or sad or frustrated Anxious. or overwhelmed, stressed out. You have no choice. And so which one do you focus more on? What you can or can't control? And, you know, it might be different right now because there's so many things that we are not in control of. Some of our freedoms have been shut down for a period of time all over the world. And so it'd be easy to do that. It would be easy to say, oh, my God, there's, you know, Three, you know, 7,200 or 7,100, 7,200 children dying every day, you know, five, five children a minute of hunger and be so overwhelmed by the stress of that, mm -hmm. you know, or all these people dying of cancer. But for me, it's a call to say, what can I do? It's why, you know, we feed, provide a hundred million meals a year. I do personally in my partnership with Feeding America, I do matching funds for them to do that. We're at a half a billion meals. I started that five years ago because I saw it start with me feeding two families 20 years ago, 30 years ago now, I guess. 38 years ago now, I'm a little older. Um, 
but I started being two families and four. And then, you know, and I was a family got fed. That's why it's not because I'm such a good person. It's just, I saw the impact. And so I, instead of being overwhelmed, I focused on the solution. I focused mm-hmm. what is useful. What do I have? I have the ability to influence. I have a certain amount of capital. I have desire to help, right? I focused on what can I control? I can get meals by finding the right partner for distribution. That's what I did with Feeding America. We're going to feed a billion people. We're at a half a billion now in five years. We're right on course. I'm now doing it for the world. I'm doing a different one for the world, doing an X prize to feed a billion people sustainably. So it's different. If I, I go to India and I see children are dying and they're dying of waterborne diseases that are so easy to cure. So it's like I set a goal and then I enlarge it and the game gets bigger. So now we provide fresh water for a quarter of a million people a day in India. I want to get it to a million is my goal. I look at what's happening to the earth and I go, man, and I have a plane. Well, you know, what can I do to contribute it? The plane allows me to help Millions of people get to places back and forth. I have a responsibility. So I figured out what my carbon footprint was. It's 3,200 trees. And I went, screw that. I'm going to plant 100 million trees. And I'm going to buy the carbon footprints to make that happen. But I'm going to plant those trees. And I'm going to do it in a way where gardens are made in Africa, where families go from making $1.25 a day to $12 a day. So I do that with trees for the future. So I'm planting 80 million trees this year. I planted 11 million last year. To give you wow. an idea. So I'm not telling you to brag. I'm telling you that I'm only able to do that. I started with feeding two people. I started when I had no money, you know, I had $21 and I couldn't pay my rent. And I went to go an all-you-could-eat salad bar, El Torito there in Marina del Rey, because I was just trying to figure out how to load up for the winter because I had no money left. And I go in the place and it's like, it's not like I started when I had millions of dollars. I go in the place, I'm sitting there, I'll never forget, and stuff in my face. And, you know, I think it was like five ninety five or six ninety five. all you could eat, burritos, salad. I mean, I just loaded up, mm-hmm. you know. And then before I got up, the door opens and I was faced towards the front door and the yachts are outside. Just as, I went there so I could let my brain get inspired to a different quality of life instead of being my little 400 square foot bachelor apartment film star with myself watching Luke and Laura on General Hospital. <laughs> That's what I was doing back then. And so I go there and the door opens and I'll never get this. Beautiful woman walked in. I couldn't help but notice that. But what I noticed was I wanted to see who was with her. Was there a guy with her? You have a young boy at that time, young man. And sure enough, there was a man with her. He's about, you know, half the size of my waist. Right? He's like eight, nine, ten years old. And what I was touched by his little suit and tie. And, you know, he went and he held the door for his mom. And then he pulled out her chair. And, and I mean, it just it blew me away the way he treated her and the love that they had. And I don't know, it triggered something in me. It made me emotional. So I went and paid my bill and I don't know how they had left, you know, $17, $18 and change, whatever it was, put it in my pocket. And that's all the money in the world. And I go up to this kid and I had no plan. And I just introduced myself. And I said, listen, I said, I want to introduce myself. I said, because I was watching you. I said, you treat your lady with such respect and honor. I said, you held the door for her. You held out her chair. I said, you're taking her to lunch. And he goes, she's my mom. And I laughed. And I said, well, that's even more honorable. I said, that's wonderful. He goes, well, I'm not taking her lunch because I'm nine. You know, I don't have a job yet. And I didn't have a plan. I just instantaneously said, yes, you are. And I reached in my pocket, took all the money I had in the world, put it right there on the table in front of him. His eyes got big as garbage can covers, right? And he looked at me, he goes, I can't take that. And I said, yes, you can. He goes, how come? And I said, because I'm bigger than you are. And I, just, <laughs> I didn't look at the lady. I wasn't doing it for that reason. I smiled and I walked out the door. And now I didn't, out my car, I drove, I walked three miles to this place because I didn't have enough money for gas in my car, much less parking. And so I realized, I'm, you know, I got to walk home, but I was like high as a kite. I probably looked like a total dork because half skipping home, right? Full of joy. I should have been scared as hell. I didn't know I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from. I didn't know what I was going to do. But you know what happened is like, 
I didn't focus on that. I spoke, I didn't do it for her attention, his attention. I didn't do it for stars in my chart. I did it because it was right. So I go home and I wake up the next morning and I don't have money for food or to pay my rent. It's a true story. And I I wake up and I get the snail mail. There wasn't, you know, email. I'm not, I'm not old. There was snail mail in those days, regular mail to your house and nothing but bills, right? And then there's one handwritten one and I pop it open. And it's from a gentleman that I'd loaned $1,200 to a year and a half before when I had some money. $1,200 was a lot of money for me then. He really needed it. And I called him every day for several weeks, never got a phone call back. I was really frustrated. He wrote me this apology note and said, you were there for me when I needed it most. I scraped the money together. And here's this money and a little bit of interest. You know, it's a little over $1,200. $1,200 then I could live for a month on. And I was euphoric. And then I just started to cry, like uncontrollably. Mm. But it was like grace tears. I can remember like it was yesterday. And I was like, you know, why am I crying? And I just realized in that moment, it's like, I didn't do this except it was right. I didn't have a plan. I just, it was the first time in my life where scarcity wasn't part of my life. Fear wasn't the thing driving me. Like survival wasn't driving me. I like, I just trusted in what was right. Something more than myself. And, um, and it was a sense of freedom that I felt. It's like, I have people tell me all the time, well, yeah, easy for you. You can do this because, you know, you're so successful, financially wealthy or whatever they want to frame it as. Mm-hmm. But you don't give a dime out of a dollar. You're not going to give a hundred million out of a billion or 10 million of a hundred million. And so I tell people, start where you are because the fastest way out of your fear and pain is to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it'll change your focus from survival to giving. That's what we need right now. There's so much lack of kindness in this world right now. Social media encourages it because, you know, you, there's no consequences. Things people would never say to a person in real life because they can have consequences. And so a lot of people just, you know, out of their need to feel significant, will try to harm somebody else verbally, non-verbally. And so we've gotten to a place now where there's enough pain in the world without us adding to it. I know I can't change that by myself, but when we get back to our true self, not the survival self, and we, we start to do what's right naturally, and then the fear disappears, and your focus is not on what's missing. Because if my focus on what was missing, I wouldn't help that child. Your focus is not on, oh my God, you know, what do I have? Or what, you know, you know, you know, I don't have control if I can't do this. It's like, I can control this moment right now, what I feel, what I experience. And you're not focused on the past. You're in this moment. And maybe you're thinking about the future next, but you take care of the moment. So the first decision, I'm sorry I got carried away with this. And I'll finish this real fast. Is It's so important is what you focus on. And you're in control of that. But if you don't take control, man, the media, your text, your social media will take control. And it's a wild west out there. And it isn't a very kind place for most people, unfortunately. There's lots of kindness, too. You got to look for it more often sometimes. Number two is when you focus on something, your brain's got to decide what does it mean? Is this the end or the beginning? If you think it's the end times, my gosh, you're going to be, you're going to have a rough set of emotions and that's going to affect what you do or don't do. And just, just, it, it won't serve you. So, if you focus on this person is, let's say, you know, they're dis- dissing me versus they're challenging me versus they're loving me, they're coaching me. If you think they're dissing you, you're going to react very differently than if you think they're loving on you. Is this all happening because God is punishing us? That's what some people believe. Or is this all happening because God is challenging us? Or are all these problems a gift from God? Or does that have nothing to do with God? It's human beings making silly decisions and we've got we've to learn from them. See, whatever decision you make, if you think it's the end of a relationship versus the beginning, you're going to behave very differently. In the beginning of a relationship, you'll do anything more than the end. It's like, ah, oh, it's over. That's how people react. So the meaning we give to things mm-hmm. 
is everything. And the only reason I mentioned these stats up front, which sound kind of stale, but I, you got to say, why Japan and Sweden are doing better? So you can at least see, or, hey, the number is the same as the flu now. So you can go, okay, still serious, but I don't need to live in fear. And I can start to, it's kind of like, you got to see it as it is, but not worse than it is. Because you make it worse than it is, it's over. And then you got to see it better than it is. That's what makes you a leader. You get a vision. Without a vision, people perish. It says in a very good book called The Good Book. And then you got to make it that way, which requires strategy. So if you can make these three decisions where you focus on things you have and you focus on what you can control, and you focus on this moment to enjoy and what you want to build for the future, if you can find empowering meetings, which we all are capable of, and then the third decision is what am I going to do? Well, when you're in an empowered state, you know, what you do, like, I didn't think to put that money down. What to do just came naturally. And that's what we all do when we're not in a fearful state, when we're in our spirit self, our soulful self, as opposed to our fearful survival brain. And we're all capable of it. And we're all capable of going backwards. You did for a few minutes. I've done it plenty of times. I'm human too. You just don't stay there. It's not like you're superhuman. It's just like if you want a different quality of life than the majority of people, the majority of people are not healthy. 70% of Americans overweight. You know, 39% ladies are obese. That is not just something mechanical. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. It's a set of beliefs. It's patterns of living and not moving. It's all the things we've got adjusted to, right? You can change those things. But most people are not in a passionate relationship sustained over decades. Most people are not doing what they love. Most people are not earning what they want. I'm not some phony, positive thinking, motivational guy who thinks it's all great. Most people don't have a quality life, but a few do. I'm interested in the few who do so I can learn from them and so that we can learn from them and do better. You don't get better by studying what's wrong. You get studied by what, what works. And so that's my focus. These three decisions, I took some time on them because I really want hopefully to trigger your audience to think about what they can control, what they do have. That'll start to change the game. And then you can start to gear up for dealing with what we all got to deal with going forward. Yeah. And when you know better, you get better. We say that all the time here. That's true. Um, we do have a few questions from uh, from the audience, if you have time, I don't know how much time you have, but so I want to get to time for you. one or two. Okay, so um, one of the things that we've talked about here on the show is how this might be an opportunity, right? And and how to kind of look at it like that if your job is now non-existent or may not be coming back if it's in live events or whatever. I mean, that's a very touchy, scary moment for people. Um, so one question is. Um, any tips on how to discover your new future while in quarantine? <laughs> yeah. The first thing you got to do is change your mental, emotional state. Cause it's like, you're never going to find a, a higher purpose or a new way of doing things in a place where your energy is low. It's kind of like, you know, if you don't get enough electricity in the most powerful computer in the world, your screen goes crazy, right? Well, the same thing happens to the screen of your mind, screen of your emotions, screen in your heart. And so you have to do things to keep yourself emotionally fit. And I don't mean, um, emotional intelligence. Like I'm sure your audience is emotionally intelligent. I'm not blowing smoke. The kind of people that follow you and work with you, they have certain skills, of compassion, and understanding and knowledge and how to interact and communication abilities. They wouldn't be professionals if they didn't, right? They can't succeed. But we all can get triggered and lose all of that. And so the way to prevent that is to really have some rituals, some things you do that put you in the right physical state, emotional state. Like I said earlier, you can't separate the body and emotions. They're tied together. Fear is physical. Courage is physical, right? And so one of the things that you know I would like to do with people is to show them how to 
change their physical body to do this. And you know, you've been to seminars, people sometimes see a seminar and they see 10, 15,000 people and they're jumping and they think it's some motivational bullshit. But they don't understand is there's a science behind this. If you sit still and quiet for hour after hour after hour, your energy starts to drop, your mind slows down, the computer screen is not as effective. And so I, I use movement and sound and music to put people in peak states so that while they're learning, they produce real changes. Stanford just did a study, and you've been to date with Destiny, and they've just they're gonna uh, they just told me the study they're gonna uh, publish the study shortly. But it was on people who go to seminars. I got like five thousand people on a date with Destiny, and you know you have five thousand people. There's a certain number of people that are clinically depressed. There are people that are you know have a variety of challenges. But they track these people, and they took them against a group that did nothing, and they took them against a group where they taught them my material, where they read it, versus like read about swimming versus go swimming to the event. And what was amazing was the patterns of movement and the patterns of emotion. They tracked people's saliva. They saw how much cortisol was in their body, which is a stress hormone. They saw what happened to testosterone in men and women. And they, there's all kinds of studies that show why people retain things in my events. And this one shows it completely. But the best part of it was the clinically depressed people showing them four weeks later, five weeks later, six weeks later, depression not there. It, it outstrips both what they get from therapy and what they get from drugs. So the study will be coming out from Stanford. Not my study. Wow. Very encouraging. But a big part of that is training your nervous system to be in a peak state of mind. So when stuff happens, you can handle it versus being overwhelmed by it. So, you know, one of the things that's happening for most people today is we're overstacked. That's what happened to you yesterday. Stack means this. Have you ever been um, in a place, let's say, with, let's say your kids. And you love them to death or your husband or your wife and they do something mm -hmm. and you overreact. Like, I can't believe he did that. And you, afterwards you feel bad. I'm sure we've all done that at some time, right? Except the perfect ones out there that are like. <laughs> <laughs> so bottom line is, why did you overreact? It's not because you're a crazy person. It's because it happened again. Mm -hmm. See, when we stack negative experiences, one after another, after another, there's a point in which it tits our brain and puts us in that survival instinct. And now we react like an animal instead of a spirit or soul or caring mother or father or a friend or whoever, or we're that way to ourselves, which is what you were doing to yourself yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. You stacked because you'd seen so many things. Oh, I didn't do this. I didn't do it. I'm not doing it. And then overwhelmed. And so then you drank to try and drop that down. And mm -hmm. the only problem with that is it worked and helped you sleep. But if that becomes the habit, which it's not for you, yeah, but if it becomes God. a habit, <laughs> alcohol is a depressant. Yeah. So it works in the moment, but gradually it lowers you lower and lower. So I've been teaching for years how to use movement, how to use motion, use it, how to shift your body, your motion, get peak performance, peak results, right? We all know when you're in a lousy state, you're not the best parent, you're not the best friend, you're not the best to yourself. When you're in a great state, there's no guarantee, but you're going to perform at a higher level, do better. So the interesting thing is, uh, about three years ago, I've been teaching this for 43 years, right? So I think it was three years ago, Harvard did a study on power postures. So if you want your audience wants a simple tip, here's what they proved. That if you stand like Wonder Woman or Superman, you know, hands on your hip and you're standing straight, shoulders back for just two minutes, or you're like, you're like the, the, the guy at the office who's like lounging back like this, legs up or whatever, you think, what is this idiot doing, right? Those physical postures, they call them power postures, change your biochemistry in two minutes. You will increase your testosterone, whether you're a man or a woman, in your bloodstream by 20% in two minutes, they proved at Harvard, just by this posture of standing straight, shoulders back, breathing fully. And you reduce your cortisol, which is the stress hormone, by 25%. 
And you're 33% more likely to take action on something you were fearful about if you just do that for two minutes. Now, you know, I don't teach people to stand into a posture. It's a movement. It's a way of using your body, your voice. It's natural, but it's passionate. And that changes a lot more than just the posture. But biochemically, you can't function at your best when your hormonal profile is making you fearful. And what's making that happen? Things you focused on that have gotten stacked. So if you're watching the news over and over again, you've heard enough. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can tune in, get the latest version, but also know that you know it's designed to get your attention and pull you in, right? So maybe it's time to separate from that, read a few things that are educational, work on yourself in a different way, but you got to do it from a different physiology. Now, what I do every day to answer that person more directly is I do something called priming. And since we're running out of time, what priming is, is a daily ritual. It's like, if you want new results, you need new rituals. People make resolutions. Resolutions without rituals to back them up never happen. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to do this. And then, you know, last three, four weeks, and then you're back to where you were in the beginning. Because you didn't really resolve anything because you didn't have any ritual to back it up. You didn't have, you know, your rituals still go to Starbucks in the morning, have your mocha smoka, whatever, and a brownie, and you go, I can't lose weight. Well, your rituals are killing you, right? So the ritual I start my day with, I have several of them, but one of the most important ones I call priming. What priming is, is training your brain to be in the best state possible. And I do it with a real simple process. And if you want, I'll explain it for two seconds. But I, on my Instagram two days ago, I, I posted as a gift to everybody. Yeah, we'll put uh, it in the summary in the link so that people can get it. Great. Well, maybe give them the one on Instagram because it's brand new and it's got a little bit more in it. But the bottom line is, I, I you do this whole thing in 10 minutes. Like some people say, I don't meditate. I wasn't a meditator either. I wasn't digging a trying to have no thoughts. It didn't work real well for me. It doesn't work well for most people. Meditation can be valuable, but instead of fighting it, I say, I'm going to do three things. First, I'm going to change my body. And so there's a breathing pattern I explain you do for a minute. And then the next nine minutes, you do three things, three minutes each. The first thing you do is take three minutes once you're in this peak state from this breathing pattern that puts you in a great place. Now you take three minutes, a minute each, where you think about some moment in your life you're extremely grateful for. And you're really specific, not general. You remember something that you could feel is really special. And, and I try to think of two, two good-sized ones and then one simple one, like the smile on my granddaughter's face, you know, or a conversation my son had with me yesterday. He made a list of 20 things. He's, uh, I have four grandchildren about to have a fifth. It'll be his first child, and it's a boy. And he made a list of 20, this is what I did this morning, 20 things that he wants to teach his son that I taught him. It's, it's overwhelming Aww. beauty, right, for me, my heart. So I think of little things, big things. I do three of them for three minutes. And the reason I do it is not to be positive. It's because gratitude, as I mentioned earlier, does two things. It destroys the two things that destroy your life. You can't be grateful and be fearful simultaneously. And fear is what messes us up. And the second thing that messes us up is anger. And we're all going to be fearful and angry at times, but you can't be angry and grateful simultaneously. can't be fearful and grateful simultaneously. And if you do it every morning, you're doing three more, three more, and you're training your nervous system first thing in the morning and find what's right, the opposite of the old brain, instead of what's wrong. And it really works. Then the next three minutes, you do a prayer or an invocation of healing your body and healing other people. I explain that. And the last three minutes is what I call three to thrive, where you focus on three things you want to achieve, personal, emotional, physical, business, whatever you want, family. But you see them as done and you celebrate them inside like it's really happened. It's the creation part of your brain. And at the end of that, you're done. And at the end of 10 minutes, if you go online and do it, you'll see you'll have tears of grace usually or gratitude or certainly deep emotions of it. You'll find an incredible strength in your body and connection to other people. And you'll be clear what you want to make happen as if it's done. And that sense of certainty will guide you to have a better day than if you don't do it. 
So I do all kinds of rituals. That's one I don't miss. Another one is to change my body radically. So run, workout. I do the jump in for 30 seconds and, you know, 56 degree water. You could take a really cold shower to radically change your state. It'll change the flow in your body. But you got to start with your state. Once you're in a great state, how to find what you want is to start seeing what are, what are the possibilities, making lists of possibilities, going and seeing what are the people doing, or these days going online and seeing what people are doing. And then saying, when I get back, I'm going to go, I'm going to go shadow somebody and see what that's really like. See, that's where I really want. How to go about it is easy once you're in the right state. But in the wrong state, nothing works. You can put the answer in front of somebody, oh, it won't work, nothing works, nothing ever will. So training your mind, training your heart to be in the best place is the ultimate gift. And if you don't have daily rituals, it's not going to happen because weeds grow automatically. You don't have to work on weeds. Problems are thrown at you. You know, the news is not usually designed to inspire you, right? Very little anyway. So true. Tony, I know that you're you're on a journey to continue learning. Um, that's what we do here every day, right? We're trying to get better together. Um, and I had this question for the last week or so since I knew you were coming on the show that was stuck in my head because I watched a video of you interviewing Martin uh, Michael Singer, The Untethered Soul. Yes. And I wanted to know, and we'll exactly. end on this because I know you have to go, but I wanted to know how you are infusing spirituality and stillness into a life where you are so go, 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 so hustle, so fight for what you want and work hard. And, you know, you ignite us so much in your seminars and make everything so tangible and achievable. But there's also all of this other stuff that you're, you're experiencing and people you're learning from like the Wayne Dyers of the world and all these people that also believe in allowing and surrendering so how yeah. do you kind of reconcile all of those as quickly as you can? <laughs> I'll give you the quick answer. I don't know if there's a quick answer to that. There's an Eastern philosophy. You know, if you go to the East, compare the East and West thinking, right? So you're talking about Eastern thinking versus Western thinking. You go to India and you see people in squalor. If that's what you look for, it's not hard to find. It's on the street corner, people begging. People don't have anything. And not everywhere in India, obviously. India is a very prosperous country. But there are huge parts of it. There are a huge amount of people that are living in total poverty. But, you know, I, I take people about every 18 months, I take small groups to go over to Varanasi, which is one of the oldest cities in the world, I think 3,800 years old. And it's the most, um, the, the city that no matter what part of their religion they believe in, they believe in 300 million different gods, they believe that if they die in Varanasi, that they don't come back. They go to Nirvana. That's the belief structure. And so people go there to die and they're joyful. I mean, like, I remember I, I, it, I, I went to Mother Teresa as a center there. And I went to go help some people there. And there was this older woman who's like 91 years old, looked was tiny. And she was mad as hell because she came to die and they're keeping her alive. And it's just a complete different philosophy. So there it's all about the inner world per se that you become the master of. And maybe not so much in the outer world. You know, obviously, plenty of exceptions in the culture. And in Western culture, it's been more about external success, Right. And then you see people got it all and they commit suicide or they got it all and they're bored or they got it all and they're pissed off, you know? And so I don't believe it's one or the other. I believe there are lessons from both ways. And I, while I'm driven to serve and to make things happen and to break through, I also know certain things that you have to understand that sometimes what you call surrender, like an achiever is never going to surrender, but surrender is the victory, creates the victory sometimes because some things, the more you resist, the more they persist. You know, not everything works the same way. You need different gears. And so while I'm a passionate man and you see me doing this, this is who I am. I also, you know, I'm sitting outside here, you know, looking at staring the waves and thinking about what I'm grateful for and who I love and, and what I want to create next. And so 
I work to make sure that I've got that balance as much as possible. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm a Western, more Western raised person. So I'm sure I, I move towards that because the pragmatic side is I want to increase the quality of people's lives. And to me, that starts with the internal world. Because if you don't do this great, everything great, if you got a billion dollars and every day you're pissed off, frustrated, and worried, your life is called pissed off, frustrated, and worried. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what money you have. Yep. I always tell people, you know, quality of life is not based on money. It's based on creativity and caring. You can create an amazing life if you care for people. And if you are creative about how you go about it, it's not economics. Other people have so much money and they're miserable as can be. So it's not a money thing. It's really just saying, how do I make sure I create the greatest quality of life inside and outside? And so I work through strategies on the outside and strategies on the inside. I don't think you can separate the two. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. Tony, I know you have to go. Thank you so much. Thanks for, for having me on. taking the thanks, time. I got to thank you. I don't know your audience knows, but you came and were my co-host of my 60th birthday party. I didn't even <laughs> want a party. I said, I got plenty of acknowledgement, <laughs> but I said, if we can raise money for Underground Railroad, one of my favorite charities where they save children. I mean, most people have no clue how bad human trafficking is. And um, you took over and you really made it work. There was a point there where crowd was going, but they were doing the fundraising part. And some woman who didn't know my audience and you do kind of was getting up there trying to do her best. And you stepped up and delivered and we raised uh, 18. 14, 19 million, 19 half million dollars that night. I put in five, but 14 from the audience. And we're going to save as a result of your efforts and everybody's efforts in that birthday party, 17,000 children that right now. So I've been down, I've gone on these rescues where, you know, undercover, these kids are tied to a chain to a bed and doing four or five tricks a day. And some of them are going to bed at night, crying their eyes out, praying to God that someone's going to save them. And, Thanks to you, my dear, and a lot of other really good people. Uh, we're going to go out and we're going to save another 17,000 lives. So thank you to you. Love you. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, it's it's one of those moments we were talking about earlier where you can get defeated and sad about something or you can, you know, rise and do something. And I remember watching that video of those kids and I was backstage speechless and tears were dripping out of my eyes and I got so angry and, you know, I went from sad to angry really fast. And I was like, wait, no, this can't happen. Like, we need to, we need to, like, step it up here. And I knew your audience was filled with people who know how to step up. So I channeled them. <laughs> yeah, you called to them and you really reached them, honey. I can't thank you enough. And more importantly, these children can't thank you enough. And thank you'll see you. some of the stories of some of the people that are coming out that are being rescued. Amazing. Thank you, Tony, so much. Say hi to Bless Sage you. and love you. And thank you so much. You. Bye-bye. Um, all right, guys. Well, that was amazing. I lost you. Jeff didn't hear you at all. Jeff, you're muted. You're muted. (laughs) I've got to change my focus and make sure I'm unmuted, Rhea. Um, I mean, that was incredible. I'm, I've been candid with you. I'm sort of new to the gospel of Tony Robbins, but wow. Like Mm -hmm. just kind of like Martha, everything that comes out of his mouth is, just so empowering and practical to have that combination. Yeah. Just, I could like run up a mountain right now. (laughs) That's what he does. And you know, what's interesting is I know a lot of other people have brought up the statistics about car accidents and all of that. And the reporter will rush in and say, well, that's not catchy. Um, You know, like coronavirus isn't catchy. What he was making was a very strong distinction that, um, that people don't, stop and say, oh my God, we need to fix this. He was talking about solutions to things at that point. It wasn't comparing coronavirus to those things specifically. He was saying, 
he was saying something different. And I, I'm trying to remember the actual moment, exactly what he said. But I was like, oh, wow, he's making a different distinction that other people are making. Um, well, I think a lot of people compare it in saying like, oh, well, this kills that many people, too, or this infects that many people, too. But it's like, it's not about that. We should be caring about all of these things. Yeah. Like, heart disease and obesity and all these different things that are killing this many people. That's we what he should, was saying. We should be caring about that. <laughs> exactly. And why isn't the news reporting that? Yeah. Why isn't the news reporting that, hey, there is an epidemic of obesity heroin. in America yeah. and there's an epidemic of alcoholism and there's Opioids. an epidemic of all sorts. Yeah, heroin. Yeah. Like, why isn't the news promoting that? Yeah. They're focusing on one thing because, again, they can make all of us focus on that one thing and accomplish whatever their agenda is. Yeah. And it's from a good place on the base level, which is what he said. But, like, yeah. again, money. Yeah, but that's that's what he was basically saying. And I wanted to make sure people understood that because that was a strong distinction as he was saying, why aren't we caring about those things, too? Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, he's, um, listen, I had a zillion other questions, trust me. Um, and I know that the audience had a zillion more questions, and I'm sorry we couldn't get to more of them. Um, I wanted to ask him, you know, some stuff about kind of the financial crisis, obviously, too, and he wrote Unshakable. But I will say his books, Money Master the Game and Unshakable, I'm so grateful that I was introduced to them a few years ago before the brain tumor. Z- And um, (laughs) I read them and I applied them and I knew exactly how to handle this crisis in terms of, you know, the financial meltdown because I'm like, okay, this is something that happens, but holy shit, this is a whole new something that happens, but still like everything will come back. It might take longer than we like, but things will get back up and things will get better. And, um, and so, yeah. I think he's probably one of my favorite guests on the show. Uh, Probably the favorite, just because it's lateral thinking, like the way he thinks about things and the way he processes things and and displays them. It's like, that's the way I like to think, too. Like, you take it to the scientific level, you take it to the logical level, and you take it to the level of like, okay, well, what makes you feel good? What makes you, what should you be focusing on? Like, I'm definitely not a Tony Robbins in any sense of the word, but like, it's, it's, it's more really, in line with your yeah, thinking. It, it's more in line with my thinking, and I think it's like a really cool, insightful thing to have on the show. Like such a cool guest. Yeah. Like really, like I, I kind of like like we get high five. Like guys, we just had Tony Robbins hey. on the show. Like that's awesome. Yeah, it was really and cool. To all of our many live viewers who tuned in, um, thank you so much. It's fun to see such a huge group of you guys watching along live. Yeah. And, um, if you're new to the show and you just discovered us through Tony, welcome. Um, I can tell you as someone who's helping produce the show. Obviously, Tony's among the cream of the crop, but week by week, day by day, Marie is bringing the cream of the crop on. So if you like what Tony had to say, I promise you, go into our catalog of episodes, subscribe to this podcast, Mm -hmm. tune in every day. We're usually live at 11 a.m. Pacific, um, but like, there's so much more of this. It's not just this episode. And um, Marie's just been on this really cool mission to bring this to people. And it's really, really cool. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking us out. I'm going to quickly say, if you're new to the show and you drop a review on our podcast, we will be checking those throughout the week. There's a giveaway, um, a free Unleash the Power Within seminar is eligible. So if you're new to the show, hop Wait, on what iTunes. Wait, is, what is the giveaway? Uh, a free uh, Unleash the Power Within seminar. So one of our lucky audience members or listeners is going to be able to go to Unleash the Power Within, which was completely yep. game-changing for me and anybody yep. I know. Cool. 
It's cra- I mean, it's an unbelievable opportunity valued very, very highly that Tony's offering one of our listeners for free. So we have the questions on IG that we'll be using for the giveaway. But again, if you're new to the show, hop on Apple Podcasts, give us a review and leave your Instagram handle in that review. And you'll be eligible for a free UPW seminar, which is a huge deal. And I'll say, if you've already reviewed us, thank you. You can um, take a screenshot of that review and email it to bettertogether at gmail.com. And you'll be entered into the- Better Together with Maria. Better Together with Maria at gmail.com. Thank Thank you. We have a bunch of iTunes reviews I'd like to shout out. All right, let's do it. You want to do it? Great. Let me let me cue up my music because I can't talk without a song behind me. I'm you know it. you know that. I have to turn it into a musical. Guys, should I do the show with a Bud Light every day? Yeah. Are they going <laughs> to give like, you money? But like no, I feel kidding. like I want a Dunkin' Donuts coffee for like the first half hour and then like a Bud Light for the last half hour. <laughs> that I would can... be like the perfect day for me. I'm going to try to perfect. raise my testosterone here. Well, I'm going to read these reviews Go in, for in it. power stance yes, mode. Yes, power stance. Power stance mode. Uh Let's see here. Tammy B says, best podcast. Love Maria's energy. I learn something each week and always look forward to her guests. Her dedication and devotion to her parents is heartwarming as well. Keep up the great work and thank you for all you do. Thank you. Best podcast out there by Smith2419. Your podcasts have changed my life. I listened to your episode with Dr. John Amaral, which led me to find an NSA practitioner in my state. It has been incredibly healing. Thanks for sharing all his info. And they left their Instagram handle as well. Amazing. They're entered into the contest. Yes. Uh, A Sabrina CD says, my favorite podcast. It's so inspiring. Feel good, funny, uplifting, emotional, good for the soul. It has become my daily ritual. And you know what Tony said about rituals. You Uh need them. Uh, Especially now during the pandemic. Thank you, Maria, and your team for all you do. Keep shining. Sunny B says, I became a listener in January, and ever since then, I've been hooked after listening to How to Achieve Your Dreams in Four Steps with Kevin. That was the end. This podcast with me every morning as I work my nine-to-five job is so amazing. It's such amazing content and such a great team. If you want to get better, get better with Maria. Aww. We got three more if you have the time. Holy moly. These I, Listen, this is filling me up, so thank you. Amazingly Insightful by Laurel and Oak, who says, I look forward to this podcast every Monday. Well, now every Monday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, top-notch guests, and every episode has so many takeaways. I never skip an episode because even the ones that don't perk up my interest or seem relevant to me, but by the title, still have tons of amazing takeaways and action items. I sincerely hope this podcast goes forever. Looking forward to Tony Robbins. Uh, Oh my God. Thank you. Because the truth is we work so hard on the titles and it's so hard because I'm like, Oh, I know this might not be like what you're looking for specifically, but you need it. Trust me. (laughs) It's hard to like create titles that also like you have all these guidelines for YouTube and iTunes. I know. Uh, Katie Monty says funny, entertaining and informative. I love how Maria and her crew approach every subject with the bit of levity, no matter how sad they're able to laugh and see the silver lining in any situation. She's such an open book and warrior about her mom's health struggles. That transparency is inspirational. Guest Jim Quick has was awesome and taught me some great memory tips that I use on the daily. Keep up the great work. And then we have host K, Dance Grimmers. Always positive and uplifting. Maria is what we need during this quarantine. She's a celeb that has a mission bigger than herself, and she's committed. I appreciate the humor she and her crew bring to every oh, episode as well. Cry. All right. Well, we didn't know. We, Tony, Tony teared up there a bit, too. I, I was like, wow. He's a very passionate person and very compassionate. And so, um, you know, he's had quite the journey. He came from nothing and became more than something. So, you know, he still feels that inside of him. He's not disconnected 
from what mm -hmm. it's like to to be suffering with that last couple of dollars in your pocket and so um i'm forever grateful for everything that i've learned from him and i continue to learn um and thank you guys i'm so grateful for all of you i'm so grateful for those comments they really do just lift me up and maybe i won't drink tonight because of them. i'm just kidding i'm kidding i don't want anybody to worry that i'm going to create some kind of problem here um and if you haven't already please join us over at patreon we are trying to create an ad free space and we're able to do that at patreon i realize it's a difficult time for everybody but whatever you can do uh is is amazing and we have incredible shows that we're creating over there that are like this but different where we can actually use YouTube clips because we're allowed there and um, and we pull some of the things that really inspire me and teach me because I listen every morning to some different YouTube clip whether it's Wayne Dyer or Esther Hicks or Tony or whoever and the ones that really move me and speak to me I save and now we're creating shows with them so that we can go over that material and learn together it's like my my spiritual like book club but YouTube club kind yeah of thing. it's like your your clip show, I yeah, guess. Yeah, my YouTube spiritual, emotional, your healing, spiritual OnlyFans. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, join us at Patreon. The link will be in the summary. We're also going to put Tony's priming um, video in the summary as well. And, and shout out to our insiders on Patreon. We have a lot of insiders this month. Uh, shout out to Sandy Garfield, Cliff Rivard, Demetra Murphy, Deborah Decker, Marilena Falaris, and Sean Cabanel. Yes. And of course, Allison Crum, who's been with us for a very long time now. So, Stephen, you keep mentioning some of the same names. <laughs> hey. You don't need to keep saying them. That, <laughs> they hey, know. They, Are they paying you to say their names ultimately? It's part of, it's part of our benefit is that <laughs> at least once a month we shout out oh, our no insiders oh, on shit. our Patreon. Now yeah. I understand. I was like, wait, I know we have new new people. People. Why do you keep saying the same? Because we got to reward consistency. <laughs> I appreciate that. Now I get it. Being There's certain an, things I don't get, guys, be, until I get it. Being an insider on our Patreon for a year, uh, I don't think Harvard professors would, would agree with me, but I think it raises your testosterone by 20%. I, I believe that could be true. Let's get that study going. Because when you know better, you get better. Thank you guys so much. We will see you back here on Monday. Have an amazing weekend. Mwah. Be nice people. Make good choices and be present. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.